Good evening everyone and welcome. A dwelling place in the lower realms, part two. Previously we've been learning how in this world, the lowest of all worlds, we have the greatest potential and ability. In the lowest of all worlds, we have the greatest potential and ability. The lower one is, the more in a place where a, a, a someone who has gone astray and returned stands the greatest and most righteous man cannot reach there. This lowest world has the greatest potential. This is where God says, I want to live. This week, the Torah portion begins about the menorah. It tells us, the name of the portion is when you light up the menorah daily. Daily we light up the menorah. And there's two things that the lighting of the menorah could teach us. <coughs> Number one is, the lighting of the menorah itself did not need be done by a Kohen. The preparation of the wicks needed to be done by a Kohen. There were seven branches. Every day the Kohen needed to be cleaned. Hatavata Neros, cleaning the wicks and preparing it. The cleaning and the preparation needed to be done by a Kohen. But the actual lighting could be done, can, could be done by anyone. That's one law in regarding to the light of the menorah. The second law is when you light the menorah, you, you should not just put the flame there and allow the fire to come by itself. You actually are supposed to leave the wick, leave the flame connected to the wick until the fire has spread. Are you familiar? Sometimes when you light a candle, you could put the flame to the wick and it's there just enough that after maybe a moment the flame will come out. You, you, you're with me on this idea? The flame could expand. But the Torah actually teaches that's not the way to light the menorah. Not that you should trust the light will come out. You actually need wait with the flame till the light came out. These two lessons are crucial lessons in our life. What are the lessons? Number one is, everyone is a menorah. But we need to know, we need to know, everyone can illuminate your menorah. I, I can illuminate your menorah, and you can illuminate anyone's menorah. Even a non-Kohen can light the menorah. But the person to prepare the menorah need be, needs to be the Kohen. The method of how you could illuminate the menorah, only the Kohen, or only, only the Torah, only the rabbis can guide you in that path. So everyone can light the menorah, everyone can illuminate it and inspire someone else, but remember we need to have the Torah's direction how that happens. That's step number one. Step number two is, it's not enough to inspire someone and trust that they'll take that inspiration. We actually have to wait until the flame has spread. We, it's not enough for us to just go and give a tidbit, we actually have to wait until that, we have to work with that person until 
the illumination, the, the love for God, the love for Torah is clearly there. A thought is, connected. Is, 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 that's if, a if it isn't prepared by Kohen, you, it's, in, it's not validated? The, the menorah itself needed to be prepared by the Kohen, correct? Or if it's not, invalidated? I don't know if not. How bad it would be, I'm not familiar at this moment. This may be obvious on its face, but that only pertains to the temple menorah. Yes, we're talking about the menorah in the temple. Yeah. So bringing it back here, we're learning that specifically in this world, we have the greatest, greatest ability. Now this is a problem. What's the problem? The higher worlds, remember we learned there's four worlds, and the higher worlds, why doesn't God illuminate within them on a greater level? If Hashem did illuminate on a greater level, they would, what we'll call, disappear. In order for those worlds to feel that they are separate, that to feel that they are in existence, God can't illuminate within them clearly. He needs to hide. So how could it be that in this physical world, we're learning now that God could clearly reveal Himself? Again, in the higher world, God cannot clearly reveal Himself. But we're learning that when we do Torah and mitzvot, we're actually bringing a revelation of God clearly in this world. How can that be? How can we exist if God is clearly revealed in this world? Should I repeat the question again? Yeah. Let me repeat the question again. We're in the middle of chapter 36, and until here we learned that God created the world for our low world. Hashem's desire is for us to fulfill and bring Him down to this physical, low, coarse world. But how is that possible? How can we reveal God in this world without disappearing, without losing our identity? How could it be that God could be fully revealed in His greatest power in this world, and yet the world still exists as what ex appears as a, as a separate entity? Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You know, electricity is one of the examples they give for something that exists, but you can't see it. Mm -hmm. Electricity exists, but we can't see it. You could feel it. You could huh. feel it. It's a shocking I hope you don't have... <laughs> you stole that from him. He prepared you. <laughs> you got competition. With, no, he went right through my mind and I transferred it. <laughs> 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 we all are our Hashem. Hashem is everything. The ability for us to be here today and perceive that we're all different is because Hashem is not illuminating in His greatest power. <coughs> the moment He is revealed fully, we will not feel different anymore. It's like that drop of water, the moment you put it back in the sea, it's a part of the sea. It's not unique. It's not separated. So let me... Let me let me give an example for more Elise. For everybody. For everybody. No, but I... I you saw my experience. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, this is... Sorry, I'm going to give an example for Baruch. 
<laughs> for my Jap Japanese friend. If Hashem is fully revealed in, in the truest sense, then we're not going to see Baruch. We're just going to see different forms of godliness. And we're not going to see Basha. We're going to see different forms of godliness. Will it be separate? Like separate little We well, have a minute. Separate little, like, would be like a... No. No. Hashem is everywhere equally. Right. It's about how much revealed He is. So the moment Hashem is fully revealed, Hashem is everywhere the same. So it will all be one. How could it be that Hashem will be fully revealed, and we're not going to disappear, and we're going to still be able to remain in existence? How will it? How will it be? Yes, David. To the degree that we allow our godly soul to dominate us, to that degree the power of Hashem as a manifestation in the real world increases. Therefore, if theoretically everybody allows his or her godly soul to manifest itself, then the presence of Hashem is obvious and that we are all equal in our godly soul uh, means that God, uh, Hashem, exists uh, approaching universality. Um, and that is the manifestation of Hashem, not that a shining light shines on the horizon that gives us all yichas. So how could this be? How could it be the Gemara in Shabbos tell, the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells us that Hashem to quote Kishem Shenosin Hakadosh Baruchu Koach Berushayim Lekabel Poranusam just like Hashem gives the wicked the energy to be able to accept what's going to befall them. In other words, for example, Paro, Hashem wanted Paro to have certain experiences. Just like in the negative, Hashem gives you the ability Kach, no HaKadosh Baruch Hu Koach B'Tzadikim L'Kabel Tovas And so too, Hashem gives us the energy to receive our reward. But what type of energy do you need to receive your reward? Right? Maybe if someone wins his Powerball, if they win a few hundred million, you need energy, right? They say you could go crazy. What type of energy is God giving us to hold on to our reward? And what we're going to learn here is that the Torah is called energy. The Torah is called koach. And by us learning Torah, which is drawing down godliness into this world, it also gives us the ability to not remove ourselves from our existence, to also be able to remain here as an existence. Let's see it inside, hopefully the osios machkimos, hopefully the letters itself of the Tanya will illuminate us with the understanding. Page 166, left-hand column. The beginning of the first paragraph, midway down, for this purpose. 
again, page 166, we're in middle of chapter 36, left-hand column, for this purpose. Do we have the place? Sure. 166 is the Hebrew one. It's on the other side. That's the correct page. For this purpose, in order, for this purpose, the Holy One, blessed is He, gave Israel the Torah, which is called might and strength. The Torah is called Oz and Koach, might and strength. As the rabbis of blessed memory have said, that the Almighty puts strength into the righteous, in order that they may, may receive their reward in the hereafter, without being nullified in their very existence. Hashem gives us the energy that we could exist and see godliness in its fullest way and not lose our existence in the divine light that will be revealed to them in the hereafter without any cloak. When Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to fully reveal Himself. We're going to quote three verses now that tell us that when Mashiach comes, God will be revealed in His, in his true essence. As is written, number one, your teacher shall no longer be concealed from you. Literally, he will not conceal himself from you with robe and garment. Hashem is not going to be concealed with, from us. Rather, but your eyes shall see your teacher. Verse number one, when Mashiach comes, we're going to see God. Number two, it is also written, for they shall see eye to eye. And number three, you shall no longer have the sun for light by day. We won't need the sun to illuminate us. For the Lord shall be to you for an everlasting light. Three verses that tell us that when Mashiach comes, Hashem is going to be revealed in His essence. So if this is so, how are we going to be able to remain in existence? Because we, the Torah it's called energy, it's called koach, it's called power. And that is our power to remain in existence. Okay, so now we understand how it could be that in the higher world, if God reveals Himself, the higher world is going to lose its existence. However, in this world, by us learning Torah and doing mitzvot, that itself gives us the energy to remain in existence and have God fully revealed. Please. Last time God revealed Himself, everybody died. We're going to talk about that. Oh. Very good. Very good. What did you, I didn't hear what you said. Last time at, at Sinai, when God revealed Himself, people, they died. They couldn't stay in their bodies. What is the reason... What... For which part, on a very s technical level, I don't want to go into this conversation, it's beyond the scope of learning now, but on what level, we, we know the world, again, on a simple level, was created for 7,000 years. Seven, would you say seven millenniums? Would that be appropriate? Yeah. Seven millenniums. Seven millennia. And 6,000 millennia of work 
and the seventh is the time of Mashiach. This is a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Talmud in tract is Sanhedrin. Which of these seven millennia are the purpose of creation? If you tell me the purpose of creation is the first 6,000, well, God's not revealed. His home, His abode is not revealed during that time. So for which of the seven millennia is the purpose of creation? And that's what Tanya continues now and said, it is well, it is well known that the messianic era and especially the time of the resurrection of the dead is the fulfillment and culmination of the creation of the world for which purpose it was originally created. The world originally was created for the seventh millennia. And this is what we say in the Lachadodi, Sof Ma Seb Ma Chashava Tachila. The end, the end is the reason for the beginning. The, the end result is the six millennia are really here for us to bring down godliness and for godliness to be revealed in the seventh millennia. Yes, please, please. It, if it's already scheduled, if you will, yes, slated, yes, that the messianic era would be the last millennia, yes, then, well, I only mean this respectfully, but if it's already scheduled that the Mashiach will come down, that the earth is only going to be around for 7,000 years, and the Mashiach will come down in the last thousand. Yeah. Why are we praying so hard for him to come down now? Yeah. Yes, that's a very good question. It's already scheduled. It's a very good question. But there's a thousand years where right, but we're not even, they could come between. But we're not even there in that thousand years. No, we're not. Right, so we're not even there. Before I get to your question, I want to talk about another question, we'll get back to that. What is the purpose of Mashiach? Many people share, and this is the way many children are educated, that the purpose of the days of Mashiach are for us to be rewarded. We worked hard. And the days of our reward is kind of you go to the when you go to play, you go to you go to these uh, arcades. First, you have to work hard playing the games, and then you have to collect your rewards, or you have to go later. So first, we have 6,000 years of hard work, and the seventh millennia is reward. That, that's, but here we're learning that that's not... Here we're learning that the seventh millennia is not about the reward for us, it's about God having His dream of being down here fulfilled. Which of these two is correct? So Tanyan, the note right here says, note, the receiving of the reward is essentially in the seventh millennium as is stated in the Kutei Torah of the Ariza. Meaning that within Within the days, and this will answer more Elise's question. This note, perhaps it was here to answer your question. I didn't write it. The, 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 
So the question was, Mr. Mark. Yeah, what's the question? What was the question? I'm asking you. What was the question? The question is, uh, my wife asked it very, very well. So. Oh, that, oh, that was beautiful. The question, was about, the question was about what do we understand about the, Moshi, the, the Messiah and when the Messiah comes? What's our understanding of that? I'm, I'm, I'm going to add to her question and I'll tell it to you much stronger. The question was, why do we ask for Mashiach if he has a set date that he's coming? We're always saying, when is Mashiach coming? Yes. But we know when he's coming. We're in the year right now 5,779. Mm -hmm. So who could do the math? When is year 6,000? 221 years. Mm -hmm. So why are we wasting our time Asking, it's kind of like if your mother-in-law tells you what the day she's coming, you know the day she's coming. What's the conversation here? So then you pray that she has an accident. <laughs> the, the day is clear, so what is our conversation here? Mashiach, Mashiach. We, we know the day is coming, yes. Well, could it be that we can speed up the time, the scheduled time, if we follow the book? Or maybe the visit will be better quality. Or maybe the visit will be better quality. <laughs> 5,779 Yaakov Avinu wanted to, wanted to reveal the day Mashiach was going to come the Torah tells us this it's a very cryptic passage in the, in the last portion of of, of Beratius in, in the last portion of the book of creation of the book of Genesis the last section is called Vayechi, the life of Yaakov. Let me read it for you quickly. I want to read you the, the verse. It says like this. Alright. <laughs> so Yaakov is talking to his children. He's about to die. Oh, I should really... If I, if I could show you the way it's written in the Torah, it's even more interesting. The only Torah portion, Vayechi... Let me, let, me, let me share with you something. Parsh, I'm just going to go by... Parshish Korach. Mm -hmm. If you see, Parshish Korach starts right here. Mm -hmm. Right before it, there is an empty space. Parshish Bechukosai starts here. Before it, there's an empty space. Every single portion, start there's an empty space. Every portion has an empty space. Let's go now to Vayichi. Here is Vayichi. And it's very hard to find in the Torah for this reason because it doesn't have an empty space. Let's, let's see. Here, here. This is Shivi. I can't find it for that reason. Let me let me find you the exact word. If it were anyone else, we wouldn't take his word for it, but in your case we will. Here. Thank you. Right here. 
Vayechi Yaakov Eretim This is the beginning of Parshas Vayechi. You can't tell. It just looks like it's the beginning of another verse within a section. Why? So Rashi comments here. What's the reason? Because I'll tell you Rashi's let me read to you Rashi's is it, is it the last holy words himself. Is it the last portion of the Rashi? Ra- the last portion of, of the Chumash. Yeah. So Rashi says, I'll read just, just in the English. Why is the gap between this parish and the previous one closed? Because Yaakov wished to reveal the end of days when Mashiach would come to his children and the information was closed, concealed from him. So Yaakov wanted to tell his children, I want you to know on this specific date Mashiach is coming. Yaakov knew, but Hashem did not want Yaakov to be able to tell his children. And to tell us this message, the portion of Ayechi is concealed. It's hidden, just like the information was hidden from Yaakov's mind. That's, what, that's the story. The, the reasoning behind it is, is a wow, fascinating really? reasoning. Have you told this anyway? We don't know. We, Yaakov wanted to tell his children that I want you to know on Tuesday at 5 p.m. on this date and this year Mashiach is going to come and Hashem removed that information from him. Okay, but he gave us a ring. No, we don't, we don't know anything. I thought it was in the, in the seventh millennium. So that's what I want to tell you. Yeah. So the Gemara says the seventh millennia. What is the seventh millennia? And that is what the note in Tanya is answering. It's answering your question. The seventh millennia, within Mashiach, there's a, lot, there's a few parts. I'll give you some examples. When Mashiach comes, first, the Rambam tells us we're going to Judaism will be strengthened in the world. And then the Holy Temple will be built. And then the Jewish people will return to Israel. There's steps within the time of Mashiach. And the resurrection of the dead will come with soon after. The seventh millennia, let's read the note again, the receiving of the reward is essentially in the seventh millennium. This idea that when Mashiach comes, it's a time for our reward, that is specifically in the seventh, in the last thousand years. But, the ability for Mashiach to come, and for God to be fully revealed in this world, for this to be, for us to accomplish what His, God's dream is, what His desire is, that could be any time. That? Yes, yeah. let me repeat it again. What, what, the word Mashiach is a general, a general word and could include many different things. It could include, number one, the idea of the beginning of when Elijah will announce that Mashiach is coming. It could include the idea that Torah and... Uh, Torah and Torah and mitzvot will be more prominent in this world. Okay, the, you know, let me read the words of the Rambam. Rather than me tell you, I'll, I'll read you short, I'll read you one paragraph from the Rambam. The Rambam says, the last, second to last chapter of his entire Yara Chazaka, in the Laws of Kings, he says, 
Hamelech HaMashiach, King Mashiach, Asid Lamaid is going to stand up, and here's a little order of how it's, what he's going to do. The first thing is, Mashiach is going to come. He's going to be from the dynasty of King David, so that the dynasty of King David will be re returned. The second thing is, He's going to build the Holy Temple and the Temple Mount. The third thing is, He's going to gather the Jewish people from all over. So here's a little bit of, of what's going to happen. In addition, in addition, we're going to have the resurrection of the dead. It's not going to happen at the same time. Later on, we're going to have a time for our reward for what we did in this world. That means as human beings, we know when we do something, God is going to reward us. The primary time when we will receive our reward for what we have done is going to be in the seventh millennia. So Did that? that it's no, it's okay. Deferred, deferred pleasure. What? Deferred pleasure. So deferred reward. The, the primary time of our reward will be in the seventh millennia. Okay. Yes. Yes. So several years ago, I was wandering through Stamford Hill in London. What? And I came across a guy on the street corner, and he represented, he was from the Satmars, and he was raising money for the Palestinian Liberation Organization for the destruction of Israel. Yeah. And that was odd to me. But it ties right into what we're, kind of what we're talking about now, is that when we talk about the state of Israel being established when the Messiah comes, and that was their interpretation, that Israel should not exist until Yes, they 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 mm -hmm. do have some sources connected to this. Yeah. yeah. The Nituray Karta. I wouldn't say Satmer. You met a sect within Satmer, yeah, the Nituray Karta, who believes so. Yeah. Yeah. Any Sat other questions? Any other questions? Well, Satmar yes, Doctor Malov. Um, we'll leave that for now. So David, please. So you have like a thousand-year interval. The reform now. Go ahead. You have a thousand-year yeah. interval. So does that mean well, everything that you just outlined will is, will be spread throughout the whole thousand-year interval, or will it be the beginning of the thousand years? Or? Yeah. So, God willing, Mashiach will come now. So we'll have 221. Is that the math? 221 years of um, of. The, the first items of Mashiach coming and the Holy Temple and all the Jewish people gathered and the resurrection of the dead um, well, those will... The Messianic will, era is I think the term that would have been What would happen until the seventh era and the, and, and the seventh millennia is, would be the millennia of the primary time of the reward for our so behavior. The other events would, would happen if we're lucky before that? Correct. And the reward is spread throughout the whole thousand year period? I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Might start it small. It's a good it question. I don't know. I don't know. It could be in installments, right? Yeah. Yes. Installments. So if we all Jews, we return to the Torah, we can inherit the coming of the year. 
right? So we could we could speed up the the process. Yes. Then, so yeah. then so then we could actually speed up the time of the Messianic era? Like, by 200 years, we could do that? Yes. Well, if that's we what I'm being... Within the Messianic era, there's different parts. So the idea of, of peace and harmony, and when there's no more fighting, and godliness revealed in this world, absolutely. The idea of the resurrection of the dead, absolutely. Yes. 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 So when you're talking about the reward, are you actually referring to the same as the thousand years of peace? T tell me the question again, please. When you say the last millennia, which is about a thousand years, yeah, is that the same as the thousand years of peace that people talk about? Yes, but I would—I mean, I don't know exactly what the thousand years of peace is, but it sounds similar. Okay, so. um, so We, one, of the, one of the principle 12 of the 13 principles of faith is I believe every day in the uh, ability for Mashiach I, I, every day I await Mashiach's coming today and if he doesn't come today I await every, I still will continue to await his coming we have the ability yes to hasten the coming of Mashiach and even when Mashiach comes there's different ways he could come. For example, we learn that there's idea of when Mashiach comes, we go on clouds, Tarot Yisrael. That the Jewish people will go on clouds, Tarot Yisrael, to the land of Israel. Doesn't Ezekiel talk about magic chariots and stuff like that? He does. That's true, but that would, I don't. That's a separate conversation. He's talking about God's golden chariot, the Merkava the Ayan. Ezekiel. Let, let me give you another, another, another example. We learn that if we merit, the holy temple will come down from heaven, the third holy temple. If we don't merit, we'll build it by hand. So many things we learn. Izahu, if we merit, such will happen. Loizahu, Mashiach will still come, but such will happen. Okay, so let's bring this back together. The purpose of that Hashem created the world is for godliness to be... Re he wanted a dwelling place. That dwelling place is going to happen with the coming of Mashiach. However, the note is telling us that within the coming of Mashiach there's also a time for our reward, but that time of our reward is primarily in the seventh millennia. Yes. Why, why do we even need a reward? Because just having the Mashiach come is a reward enough. And peace on one. You know, isn't that the reward? Isn't that a reward? One follows the other. Perhaps you need to defend what you mean by reward. But isn't that the reward? So, I, I don't remember if it's in this chapter or the next. In Pirkei Avos, we learn Sechar Mitzvah Mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. Hmm. The, the, the often, the common mm -hmm. translation is the reward for doing one mitzvah is another mitzvah. However, Kabbalah teaches us a deeper understanding. It's true. 
If you do one mitzvah, you'll be led to another mitzvah. But a deeper understanding is also the reward for a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. The accomplishment of that mitzvah is your biggest reward. Mm -hmm. So you ask, what does it mean, reward in the days of Mashiach? So we have what we're learning here, that your reward that you have drawn godliness down into this world. However, we also learn about I'm trying to what does it mean reward you know I don't know this is a good question what does it mean reward in the seventh millennia and I don't know what, I don't know the answer yeah thank you I, thank you for asking it's a good question I don't know where I got this idea from, but um, I, I seem to recall hearing that the Mashiach would come either when things were, were so good on earth that, that we deserve to have him, or the opposite, things were so bad that, that, that he has to come because otherwise there's no way out or something like that. Now, I don't know where I heard that, but I, I, I heard that from somewhere. I have not heard it before, so I don't know. I can't comment. I've heard there would be like terrible chaos before. That's a separate thing. We learn about Goku Magog. We learn that before the coming of Mashiach, there will be tremendous havoc in the whole entire world. The, wor the world of the, the wars of Gog and Magog. Um, but the specific idea that either the world is at its best time or its worst time, I have not heard that. The mitzvah of Torah draw the divine light and energy into the various levels of the created world. This reflects the fact that the mitzvot are derived from the level of Keter, from God's will, which is higher than his wisdom, and they cause God's will to be expressed within the context of physical reality. Thank you. Where are you reading? So, Stein definitions of commentary. You know, Dr. Malov did just remind me though that yeah, we'll have, we'll have more conversations about, about Mashiach. We'll leave it for now. But um, yes, we're, we, we await His coming every day. That is, So right away when we began this conversation, it was mentioned that Hashem already revealed Himself on this world. He already revealed Himself here. And let's talk about that revelation. Says Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, this happened on Shavuos, when the Torah was given. The Am I'm reading now the Talmud tractate Shabbos, page 88b. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi taught us. Well, I, just one moment. Ah, call dibor v'dibor sheyatsami pia kadosh baruch hu. Every utterance Hashem made, yatsa nishmasan shal Yisrael, the Jewish people, their souls left their body. 
Umeachar, so asks the Talmud, Umeachar, Shemidibor, Rishon, Yatisanish, Masan. Once their souls left their body after the first command, Dibor, Shemidibor, How did the Jewish people hear the second of the Ten Commandments? If they're not here anymore, there's no one to hear it. Horid Tal, Sheasid, Lahachayos, Pomesim. The same do, the same tal, the same do that the people that are dead are going to be resurrected with, God used to resurrect the Jewish people at that time to hear the second command. And brought them back to life. So the resurrection of the dead happened to all the Jewish people actually twice. By the first commandment, they, they died and were re- resurrected. They, uh, the second commandment died and resurrected. And then the Jewish people said, Enough. Too much, too, excite, too much excitement for us. We don't want God to tell us. God, Moshe, you, you continue from here. And that's what happened. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, In addition to just losing our, in addition to our death, Call Dibor Vidibor Shiatami Piakadish Barahu every one of the commandments. God said, Khazru Yisraelach Rehan Yudbez Mil, the Jewish people flew backwards eleven mil. Sorry, twelve mil. Twelve miles. You're here and you wake up from the dead and you're twelve miles away. I'm a little off, it's not exactly twelve miles, but that's still pretty close. <laughs> what do you mean? Well twelve miles isn't that far. Proximity-wise, from when you die to when you wake up. <laughs> That's true. And it's aggression. <laughs> You're right. No, that has nothing to do with God. That's hell. The Jewish people were scared to come back to the, to the Mount Sinai. So the angels were saying, it's okay, come back, come back. They were encouraging them to come back. So what do we have here? We have... Now yes, God revealed Himself in this world by the giving of the Torah and the worry we had that we couldn't remain in existence if God revealed Himself, that's what happened at the giving of the Torah. The Jewish people had not yet learned Torah, they didn't have that energy, so when God revealed Himself, yes, our soul left the body. Twice. When Mashiach comes, it will be possible for, our, for God to reveal itself, Himself and yet our soul still remain in the body. Let's read that inside. So, what's the difference between religious and non-religious? Okay. It's important to note also that they saw as well as heard. Oh, we're we're going to see that now. The senses were Something of this revelation has already been experienced on Earth. At the time of the giving of the Torah, as is written, you have been shown to know that the Lord is God. There is none else aside from Him. You already have been shown verily with physical vision. God, you already showed us, as is written, like we say about the giving of the Torah, and all the people saw the thunderings. They saw... It doesn't say they saw the lightning. They saw the thunder. They saw what is normally heard. And the rabbis of blessed memory explained they looked eastward 
and heard the speech issuing forth, I am, etc., and so turning toward the four points of the compass and upward and downward. That means the sound was coming from everywhere. We could hear the sound and we could see the sound. As is also explained in the Tikkunim, that there was no place from which he did not speak to them. That means when the Torah was given, we saw what we hear and we hear what we saw. There weren't limits. This was so because of the revelation of His will, blessed be He in the Ten Commandments, constituting the epitome of the whole Torah. And the Torah which is His innermost will, blessed be He. And His wisdom, wherein there is no concealment of the countenance at all. The Torah has no concealment of godliness. It's fully revealed. As is written, For by the light of your countenance you gave us the Torah of life. Therefore, they, the Israelites, Israelites at Sinai repeatedly expired out of existence. When the Torah was given, because godliness was fully revealed, we, we expired, our soul left our body, as the rabbis have taught, that at each divine utterance their souls took flight. But the Holy One, blessed is He, restored it to them with the dew with which He will revive the dead. This is the dew of the Torah, which is called might, as the rabbis have said, everyone who occupies himself with the Torah is revived by the dew of the Torah. With your permission, I know it's late and if anyone needs to go, that's okay. I'd like to go for another 5-10 minutes. Two more items, incredibly fascinating um, and, and important. And I hope, I, I, I'd like to learn it with you today. Later, however, what happened is the Torah is godly, fully illuminated himself, yet we, we couldn't handle it at the moment. But God was still fully illuminated. Later, however, the sin of the golden calf caused both them and the world to become gross again. Until the end of days when the dross of the body of, uh, and of the world will be purified and they will be able to apprehend the revealed divine light which will shine forth to Israel by means of the Torah called might. So the first point we've just continued saying is that godliness was fully revealed at that moment. But in addition to the fact that we couldn't handle it by the sin of the golden calf, we completely clogged everything up. Tanya is now going to conclude with an, a, a very important and powerful insight. The coming of Mashiach is not only something special for the Jew, it's something special for the non-Jew as well. The light that's going to shine is going to be so bright that it's going to illuminate the entire world, Jew and non-Jew, together. Let's see that together. I think it's a very important and powerful message. And as a result of the overflow of the illumination on Israel, the darkness of the Gentiles will also be lit up, as is written, and the nations shall walk by your light. Number one, we're going to quote five sources now. Number two, in house of Jacob, this is the nations are telling the Jewish people, House of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord again. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and together all flesh will see, Jew and non-Jew, and to go into the holes of the rocks and into the clefts of the boulders for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty. And as we pray... Reveal yourself in the majesty of your glorious might over all the inhabitants of your world. So let's conclude here. 
Let's wrap it together. We've learned that the purpose of the entire creation is for God to have a dwelling place in this world. We asked how, we began today's class how, asking how is it possible for godliness to be revealed in this world and yet we not lose our existence. We answered through the Torah which is called might. What's the purpose of creation? Is it for our work today or is it for the revelation of godliness in the era of Mashiach? Well that's clear. The days of Mashiach are the purpose of creation. This experience of, godly fully re- of godliness being fully revealed has already been at the, giving of the, at the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. We weren't able to handle it and we lost ourselves. Additionally, the sin of the golden calf even pushed us further away from that idea. And the p- chapter concluded saying that the light of Hashem is going to be so bright that, both, that the Jews and non-Jews will both be able, to, um, will be able to walk together within that light. Are there any questions? Mm-hmm. Only four. I know this. Yes, uh-huh. yes, Dr. Mala. Um, so, um, I thought these other worlds, other than our worlds, in some ways, they were, they were closer to Hashem. Words, Hashem was more revealed. I think you said that maybe. Absolutely. So, so, so but, but yet, it's paradoxical because in our, in our world, we uh, when this revelation happens, we can continue to exist. But these other worlds, they they couldn't continue to exist. Yes. Um, even though they're initially closer, and we were the lower ones. Yes. So, is that a question? Yeah, it's, it's counterintuitive. It is, and that's what we learned last week. We answered that question. It's a very good question. And last week, Tanya explained that the great higher worlds are closer to God and can have a greater revelation but that's not the purpose of creation let me say that again the higher worlds are truly closer and because they're closer the closer you are to the sun the greater the more heat you'll have but when but in which world does God want to be in the lowest world And specifically in the lowest world where the Torah was given, only in the lowest world, will we be able to appreciate godliness when he's fully revealed. But why would in the upper worlds, if God were revealed, the upper world cease to exist? If godliness would reveal itself clearly in the upper worlds, my understanding is they would cease to exist. Yes. Because they don't have the power to have their revelation and stay as an entity. Just like when the Torah was given and godliness was fully revealed, we couldn't accept it. It was too much for us. The same thing in all the higher worlds. They can't accept it either. Only in this world do we have the Torah. And that means only in this world do we have that might, the the Torah is called Koach, to be able to receive godliness after we've done our job learning Torah and doing mitzvot. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.